Hey, what's going on? You're listening to another episode of the Women for Greatness podcast. I'm your host, Serena Hess, and this is episode 54. This episode I recorded with a girl named Olivia, and this recording was the first time I had ever met her. In this episode, Olivia shares her struggles with panic attacks, severe anxiety, feelings of just complete hopelessness and feeling alone and lost. And I know Olivia is not the first person in the world to experience these feelings, and I know some people might be like, Serena, why are we talking about this? This is sad. This is depressing. We don't need to talk about this. But in my opinion, we do. The Woman for Greatness community and the Woman for Greatness podcast stands for talking about things that actually matter. And I think your mental health, I think your anxiety or panic attacks or different things like that, I think that matters. And all of us, we're all just working through our own experiences and our own things. So I'm so appreciative of Olivia coming on the show and just being honest and sharing her experiences. This episode is amazing. Olivia is just real. And while you're listening, if you hear your story, if there are parts that are very similar to your life and your experiences, reach out. Let me know that you enjoyed this episode or send Olivia a DM on Instagram. I'm sure she would love to hear about what you're going through because she has been there. You are not alone. Your experiences are not just you. It's not just you in this world. We have community. We have friends and there are there is support. Before we hop into this episode, I have an announcement. You all know I'm a confidence coach. That's my thing. That's what we yeah, we know about that. But starting this week, I'm going to be offering free one-on-one coaching sessions. So if you're interested, if you're going through life and you're like, you know what? I need a boost. I need a boost in my confidence. I would love to schedule a coaching call with you. Free, maybe 30, 45 minutes of your time. And we can just really talk about what's going on in your life and how to level up and boost your confidence. So if you want to do that, slide into my DMs on Instagram and we will get that on the calendar. Without further ado, I'd love to share my episode with Olivia. Okay, so today I have Olivia with me. Olivia, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm a little bit nervous, I won't lie, but I am excited to just put my truth out there and chat and just have a real conversation. Yeah, so Olivia and I are here rocking it at Pace to be Brave in San Diego. We're recording, hanging out, having fun. Who are you? Like, what are you about? Brief snippets, and then we'll dive more into it. Definitely a dreamer. I'm somebody that has a lot of ideas. I don't always act on all of my ideas, and I finally have, which I'm pretty proud about. I'm a feeler. I'm a very emotional person. Sometimes I take on other people's emotions, which is not necessarily a good thing. Yeah. Something I'm working through. I care a lot mm-hmm. about the people in my life. Throughout the last year, I think I've worked a lot personally on mindset, and when I just see other people struggling, I want to help them and get where I am now and yeah. be happy. Mm-hmm. So... I think I'm a carer mm-hmm. or an empath. Yeah, I would say. very empathetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you say like when you see people struggling and you want to help them get out of that, like is that from prior experience or from your life as well? Or have you always had it figured out? Definitely <laughs> have not always had it figured out. I would say that most of my life I was always extremely extroverted. I was the girl that was dancing and, you know, around in the classroom and very loud and excited. And then I actually got kind of called out for it in college. Mm. And I started to dull myself down. And Mm. since then, so I would say over the last 10 years, I've definitely feel like 
I'm a little bit more of an introverted extrovert now. So I definitely haven't had it together forever, but my personalities have changed. But I think when it comes to seeing other people struggle, I know what that struggle is like. Mm -hmm. I've dealt with anxiety since I was about 14, 15. Mm -hmm. Know what panic attacks feels like. I have tried everything and been in that place where it's why me? Why isn't other people experiencing this? Mm -hmm. And I think I can, I can sense it now when people are going through things Mm -hmm. and it's just like it's almost like the way that they hold themselves or if all of a sudden you don't really see someone for a while and you're like well where have they been Mm -hmm. normally they're the happiest people just like checking in all the time I think and if anybody shows any sign of struggle I'm just like I want to help you because I've been there and it's it's not a fun place to be in and for a long time I didn't even say anything I just thought it like was the way that it was Mm -hmm. and I didn't know other people were dealing with it before I even realized I had anxiety. My mom was in nursing school and she is a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So she basically like Here's, is, does this, right? <laughs> Here's what's wrong. Yeah. And she, um, she had this piece of paper on I think the kitchen counter and it was describing all of these symptoms and I didn't yeah. know what the symptoms were for. And I was just standing there looking at it, just basically checking them off. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have that. I have that. I have that. And my mom's sitting across the kitchen table for me and she's like, are you serious? Oh, wow. How long have you been dealing with this? And I'm like, I don't know. How old like were you? Year? I was 15. Mm-hmm. And, and she's like, oh my gosh, like, this is a problem. What were the symptoms on the... Feeling like very, getting very, like, almost like hot flashes. Feeling like you're going to throw up. Pain in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Feeling like I would get headaches a lot. Like shaking. Like I remember the first time I really noticed my boyfriend and I in high school got in a fight and I was like shaking uncontrollably. And I remember it was hard to speak mm-hmm. and like my heart was beating out of my chest. Yeah. So it was kind of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Feeling very activated. And just, I didn't know what it was. So I just, you know, you're a teenager, still kind of naive about the world and everything yeah. and just had no idea what was going on. And now I've spent a lot of time learning about it and I can sense it immediately and yeah. I want other people to know that they're not alone because mm-hmm. I think for a long time I thought it was just me and everyone has their own things that they think about and their own self-judgments mm-hmm. and they're all very different but they're all also very much the same. Yeah. So what was the first step that you took once you read that piece of paper and you recognized, okay, I have this, like what is this? And then what did you do in that moment? Um can't really remember honestly mm. I was also very ill I had a yeast virus in my esophagus mm. which it's candida and a lot of anxieties come from fungi and mm. mold and that kind of thing and that's kind of for me that's how it started but even when I was younger I would have horrible 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 stomach pains mm. all the time when I was like 10 years old I think a lot of it comes from the fact that my my parents split up when I was 12 and Five years before that, they basically were just fighting all the time and trying to hide it from us, you know, keep us, mm-hmm. keep it private, but you, you always kind of know. So when I look back, I'm like, is that the way my body was reacting to like the anxiety that it was giving me or what? I, I mean, crippling stomach pain where I would just cry for hours because it hurt so bad, but mm-hmm. there was nothing wrong with me. I was going through trying to figure out how do I fix this yeast virus in my esophagus? Cause 
the doctors also didn't know what it was for almost an entire year and I was just getting more sick and I was losing weight and I couldn't eat you're a teenager you're, you know what I mean and I have eczema and the eczema was just like exploding because my body like my body yeah. just doesn't know what's happening I don't know I think I just started talking to my mom mm-hmm. so we were very close she's like my best friend we just talk about everything I never really hid anything from her it's weird because I was having anxiety but I didn't know what I was having anxiety about yeah it was just happening Mm -hmm. so I don't really think I did anything necessarily for it and then I think when I was 17 right before I went to college I got put on um, Paxil Mm -hmm. which is like an anxiety antidepressant kind of medication Mm -hmm. but I remember like hating it and I think I my mom sent me to therapy for maybe like a couple months and then one day I went to therapy and my therapist wasn't there Oh, that's, yeah. What's so, the heck? <laughs> yeah, and um, it was a very odd, weird situation. But, yeah. Yeah, so I don't actually really think I did anything about it. Mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, oh, okay, cool. I have this thing called anxiety. Okay. Yeah. From that moment on, what happened then? Or I think I just, it's just so, it's hard to think back. I th- there's a part of my life that I've almost, not necessarily blacked out, but mm-hmm. it's, it is hard to kind of go back and remember like, okay, well, what did I do? And I really just like spent a lot of time with my friends. And I think my, once I kind of got control of my illness, I feel like a lot of that anxiety went away mm-hmm. or I was, it was more at bay, I would say. I had started, I think I started accruing like social anxiety. Mm-hmm. Like I... I was still going after the things that I wanted. Like I still joined a sorority and I still like went on the dance team and I still like did all these things that I wanted to do that I was nervous about, but it wasn't holding me back. But then as college progressed, Mm -hmm. I I almost started getting more nervous and more nervous and more nervous. And I think it's because I was starting to get used to the feeling of having anxiety. So almost like not having it, Mm -hmm. having that feeling was weird for me. Yeah. It's like, oh, I feel fine. Oh, I'm not having a panic attack right now. Mm-hmm. Well, that's weird. So I'm going to like think of something that's going to make me have a panic attack. Because like, it's just such a weird concept. Yeah. But my mom, I'm going to talk to her about her a lot in this little thing because she's just kind of my rock. Um, Shout out to mom. Yes, mom. Mom's hey. all over the world. For real. For real. I'm like, if I'm ever a mom, I swear, I hope I'm like half as good as fine. But she was just always there to listen, and she was always going out of her way to help, Mm -hmm. and I can't thank her enough. I was also very active. Mm -hmm. Whenever I felt really stressed out at school, when I was in, I went to the University of Tampa in Florida, so it's really lovely outside all the time. It's Mm -hmm. kind of like San Diego. Whenever I felt really stressed out, I would go run on the track. I'm like, I'm not a runner at all. Like, you'll never see me run on a treadmill. It's just not my thing. Somehow I figured out that if I just go out there and like run and let my like emotions out and cry about it, then I would be okay. Yeah. But I would pretty much just like call her all the time, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm having a panic attack right now. She's like, okay, like, breathe, like, what's going on? Da, da, da. So I got very good at talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm definitely somebody now that is very open and communicative because I know that if I don't talk about it and I don't say something, I'm going to bottle it in and it's just going to end up being worse than it could have ever been. Do you have a story of like a specific panic attack that you remember like vividly? So the the one that I remember is I was in high school and because of my illness and because of the anxiety I was feeling, almost having that feeling of anxiety would bring up things that I had said or had done in the past that I would feel guilty or shameful about. Mm -hmm. And 
the first two or three months that I was dating my boyfriend from high school, I went to visit my dad because he lived in a different state. And when I was there, there were like people that I know there. So I was hanging out with them and we were all just like joking around and playing truth or dare and stuff. One of them was like, oh, well, I, I bet you won't kiss that guy. And I was like, oh, whatever, I will. And we were like in the car. It wasn't anything. It wasn't like spin the bottle or something. Mm-hmm. Like and I'm, I'm like 14, 15 at this point. And I was like, oh, I will. So we like, we pecked. And I knew right after I was like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. When I went home, I felt the the need to tell my high school boyfriend. Mm-hmm. and um, But I didn't tell him like exactly what happened. I said, we were saying goodbye and I gave him all hugs and this guy kissed me and I pushed him away and I just like kind of <laughs> turned it into this like elaborate story mm-hmm. so that he wouldn't get mad at me or like he wouldn't break up with me. Like I didn't do anything wrong. And he was very upset, of course. And it probably created the rest, you know, the path for the rest of our relationship. And at the time, I just kind of blew it off because it just wasn't something that I thought about or worried me. But then a year and a half later down the road, I've developed all this anxiety and stress. And all of a sudden, that exact incident pops up in my mind. Mm. At this point of my relationship, we didn't go to the same high school. And just over our relationship, I think we got... He felt like he couldn't not trust me. It was like other people. Mm -hmm. And I don't even remember like when or how that switched. Um, But we would always like fight about it, that kind of thing. And then I got that way with him. And it was just kind of like a a losing battle. And then for about a week, I just like couldn't stop thinking about the fact that I had lied to him. And I had told him Like a year ago. Yeah. Like that I had told. And it was just a kiss, but still like changed everything. And then I was like, I'm a cheater. Oh my God. Like I'm a horrible person. Mm -hmm. And so one day, I remember it was like Wednesday assembly. And I was sitting there and and it was outside. Mm -hmm. And I remember just all of a sudden like feeling really hot. And I was like, I'm going to throw up right now. Mm -hmm. And like just feeling like my heart was beating out of my chest. Mm -hmm. And at that point I was very good at like not, a lot of time people don't know if I'm having a panic attack. I'm very, it's something like I was just started being able to just have one and just like look blank face. No one ever knows. So that was kind of what was happening. And afterwards I was like, I got to go to my car. I got to go to my car. And I go to my car and I'm like shaking and Mm -hmm. I just knew, I was like, I, I have to call him right now. Mm -hmm. And so I called him and I was like, Hey, we need to talk. And of course, you know, he's like, well, what's going on? Yeah. We need to talk. (laughs) Yeah. The second your heart, you know, just drops. And I was just like, do you remember last year? Like when I told you this, he's like, yes. I'm like, well, I lied. And he was like, okay. I was like, this is actually what happened. And then I just start bawling and I'm like, I'm so sorry. I'm a horrible person. Like, please forgive me. I don't know why I told you that. And I'm just in my car crying by myself at school. <laughs> you know, he started crying. He got mm-hmm. super upset. You know, how could you do that? How could you lie to me? Like you cheated on me, that whole thing. And then, you know, it turns into like, I don't want to talk to you. And then now we're on a break. This weird feeling of sadness and mm-hmm. hopelessness and freaking out because I'm like, oh, this person I love, you know, my first love is like talking about breaking up with me and how am I ever going to deal with that? Mm -hmm. Over the next five to seven days, it was me texting him being like, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. How can I fix this? And him just being like, I don't know. I don't know. And I'm not sure I can get over this. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time of me wanting for him to say, it's okay, we can move on for whatever reason. I was also like, do I want him to move on? Mm -hmm. Which gave me anxiety. So it was just this really weird situation because I think I was also having anxiety because I think I knew the right thing for us was was to not be together, mm-hmm. but I didn't want that at the same time. So that brought all of that anxiety on. But yeah, no, that was not fun. Yeah. 
not fun yeah. at all. What would you say to someone who's experiencing anxiety attacks or who experiences severe anxiety? What would advice would you give to them to help with it or just tips to work through it or just different things? What would you say? Um, I would say sit down and put your head between your legs. <laughs> Get that blood flowing back into your brain. Mm-hmm. I would say drink some water. Honestly, things like that, just like little things like that really help. And find someone that you can talk to. Find that one friend or that family member that you can call when that's happening. Mm-hmm. Because when you talk it out and you let those feelings just happen, mm-hmm. but you're as you work through it, that I would say is my biggest thing. And also learning breathing techniques mm-hmm. is really big. Okay. So breathe in for four, breathe out for four, breathe in for four, breathe out for four. Mm-hmm. My mom gave me this breathing strategy that people in the Navy do mm-hmm. when they're freaking out. It's like, see a box and in like four seconds, try to get to, from like that side of the box to the other side of the box. And then get to the, you know, like you follow the lines mm-hmm. and you take four seconds to do it each time. And because you're thinking about something else, um, it really helps calm your body. Mm-hmm. I've learned things like that that have helped me over time, but I'm a big speaker. Yeah. I mean, I'll text my best friend and just be like, I am freaking out right now. Mm-hmm. Just like, what's going on? Like, what's happening? But in turn, like, you also can't expect their friends and your family to be there for you if you're not going to be there for them. Mm-hmm. So if you do do that, I also 100% advise you to, to be them, there for them yeah. because it's a huge thing. I mean, a support system is massive. I, I would say, like, for what I've gone through over the last year without my support system, I just don't know if I would have been able to. Mm-hmm. But that was a thing with my support system. I had to be open and I had to tell them exactly how I was feeling, mm-hmm. even if I was ashamed of it and even if I was guilty of it and even if I didn't want to hurt someone else's feelings. Mm-hmm. Because for me, it was the only way that I was like going to get through it. So when you are having a panic attack, it is so important to talk about it. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of experiences different things, but I get very hot. Mm-hmm. Like my head gets very, very hot. I start to feel very warm. So, I mean, if, if I'm by my car, I'll get my car and, like, blast the air conditioning mm-hmm. and just sit there and, like, let it flow. Yeah. And I would say exercise helps a lot, too. So if someone, like, say I had a friend who was working through her anxiety right now, what could I do to support her and be a better friend? Like, how can we help our friends who are experiencing anxiety? I would help them by trying to find, I mean, absolutely just be there to listen. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes it's not even about, like, the advice. It's just just being there to listen and being open and not judging them, I would say, is the biggest, biggest thing. Mm-hmm. The other one would be to try to help them get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. If they're in their bedroom and this is happening, if they're having a panic attack or they're feeling low, I'm like, I don't want to move out of my bed. Yeah. Like, I just want to kind of sit here. This is my safe place. But when I have people that come over to my house and they're like, you need to get out of your bed. Mm -hmm. We're going to go on a hike. I would say doing something active is really, really good. Mm -hmm. I I have become extremely active. Um, I live in one of the top adventure towns in America. That's awesome. So (laughs) I don't really have like a choice not to be, but hiking and just going on walks. Like my roommate has a dog. Like I'll just take her out for a walk. If I'm feeling stressed out, it helps me. It helps the dog. Um, Win-win. Exactly. <laughs> I, like I've recently picked up rollerblading. Okay, fun. <laughs> so it's just like fun, active things mm-hmm. that are just going to help them get their mind off of it or get that adrenaline 
out of their body yeah. to like kind of like become present again and mm-hmm. calm down. Yeah, I love those tips. Those yeah. are really helpful. Because mm-hmm. for some, maybe like the older generation's perception, oh, you're just anxious. Right. Oh, you're just like You'll it's a fine. it's a small, mm-hmm. but I know and I've seen like literally my friends mm-hmm. be like crippled and debilitated by what they're experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like taking those tools and those recommendations that you just gave, they can actually go and help someone. Like if someone's listening and you have an anxious friend, this is what you can do. Yeah. Hey, let's go on an activity. Hey, let's go on a hike. Hey, let's go on even a walk. Like, because a lot of people say, oh, it costs money. A walk doesn't cost money. Not at all. I mean, I don't know what your temperature is. That might yeah. be the only problem. But Go on YouTube and look up like a fun dance routine workout where yes. you can like laugh. Yes. Sometimes or, yeah. my mom just texts me if I'm freaking out about something she says put on a happy song and just like dance around Mm -hmm. your bedroom yeah yeah but like the thing is we're not here to experience life alone no and there's a lot of shame and guilt circling in our heads when we're experiencing something hard or we're embarrassed about or it's like oh I should have already worked through this but you're like you're not meant to be here to be alone and go through this by yourself. Like you have friends for a reason. Mm -hmm. So I think those recommendations are really, really helpful. Absolutely. And if you know, if one of your friends isn't really being there for you, Mm -hmm. you might need to reevaluate that friendship because that's what we're here for each other. Mm -hmm. You know, we're all here to motivate each other to level up, but also get through the hard times. Yeah. Because if life was hunky dory all the time, Mm -hmm. like, I don't know, without the hardships, you can't really appreciate the good times. Yeah, it adds contrast. Yes. What has been one of like the hardest moments that you've walked through that's made you stronger? (sighs) I have about two or three, but I would say my biggest one happened almost a year ago, Mm -hmm. October 13th of 2018. I kind of self-imploded and the thought of ending my life was more appealing to me than just feeling the things that I was feeling. Mm-hmm. First time I'd ever felt, not the first time, but I've, I felt extreme hopelessness. And it's definitely something that was building over time. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost diagnosed myself with depression back in like the March before this. Mm-hmm. I remember just feeling really stressed out, very lost. I traveled abroad. Mm-hmm. I lived abroad and traveled for two years. In 2015, I moved to Australia which was the very first time that I felt complete hopelessness because at one point I was by myself and I was like, what am I doing here? And crying and called my family and like, I'm coming home. Like, what am I doing here? Mm -hmm. And I was able to get through that. And I had a couple other hardships while I was there. But when I moved home, I was 27, didn't really know like what my path was. I don't really have a specific career. I don't like, and my siblings they do like my brother is very science oriented my Mm. sister was an English major like a head of HR and like she's just so good at that and she kind of had this path and to me from my perspective it just seemed like it worked out from her perspective probably not yeah I almost felt like all of a sudden I was scared to to go after things even though I just traveled the world also my heart was back in New Zealand like I had met a boy that I thought was you know the one Mm -hmm. and but I moved back to America and it's like what do you do with that So that was very, very difficult. And I think that played along with it. Just knowing that like, as much as I wanted to be home in the States, I was like, I very much also would rather be over there. Mm -hmm. But I was getting a lot of pressure from family members about my next like move in life. Mm -hmm. And are you going back to school? 
Are you going to get a nine to five? When I graduated college, I moved out to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and I started waitressing. Mm -hmm. And I've been in hospitality pretty much almost a decade now. So it was one of those things where I was getting it from a lot of my friends that didn't live in the town that I live in and my family members. Like, you can't be a waitress forever. What are you going to do? So even though I was making a lot of money and I could support myself, it wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. To the point where, like, I... This is hard to kind of say out loud because I don't know if my dad's going to listen to this. But it was to the point where, like, I was almost purposely not trying to see him because he was asking me so much about my future and Mm -hmm. I still felt so lost and nothing I did was really helping me. Mm -hmm. I would put ideas down and I'd say, oh, maybe I can do this. But then the next day I'd be like, but no, I don't think I really want to do that. Mm -hmm. I got a nine to five job mostly to make my parents happy. And so I work for this company that creates vacation packages to the town that I live in because it's a very tourist town. It's a ski resort area. And so, which I was like, I love where I live and I love booking travel and I love working and talking to people. So this is going to be great. Mm -hmm. Um, It was great for about three months and then it became super mundane and I had figured everything out and it was the same conversation over and over again. Yeah. And even though they were happy people, it was like the people that showed no appreciation. I just couldn't hear that stuff anymore. Mm -hmm. And summer came and I was in this office and it was very hard for me to be where I live in the summertime and be inside all day while my friends are like going hiking and going fishing and just being outside. Yeah. And because they all work at night so they can do that. And I just got very lonely. I was very bored. I was very lonely. The summertime at the office was very slow. So it just kind of like grew on top of the loneliness. Yeah. And I felt like I was losing my friends to other friends because they were hanging out with other people and I wasn't hanging out with them. But then I wasn't really clicking with those other people they were hanging out with. So then I started getting jealous of their friendships and being like, nobody wants to hang out with me. And like, you're leaving me for that person. And mm-hmm. and then I also felt that within my family, like my, my mom is engaged. I have a stepmom. So my dad has her and my sister had gotten married the summer before. My brother was married and has a child. So it's like, I didn't really talk to my family members as much as I had before. Mm-hmm. And just a lot changed while I was living abroad. I was gone for two years. Yeah. And I think that was very, very hard for me to accept when I moved home. And so I just felt very alone. I felt like I was losing my family. I felt like they didn't want to see me. You know, I would find out that like maybe my grandma and my sister-in-law had had lunch or something. And I was like, well, why wasn't I invited? So I was just like taking things very, very personally, Mm -hmm. which in turn, you know, like people don't want to hang out with you when you have that kind of mindset, you know? Yeah. And I was feeling rejected from the boy in New Zealand and then I had been like dating someone at home and I had gotten rejected and and then so it was like this whole all the stuff and during that summer of 2018 there was two people in my town that ended their lives Mm. and when it happened and it like came out it was the first time that I had like seen something like that happening that I it like resonated within me Mm. almost that feeling of like I feel like I understand because I've been there. Yeah. And all of a sudden it was thoughts of like, like you're driving down the road and you like drive by a big building. You're like, I wonder what would happen if I just, Mm -hmm. you know, like would it just stop? Mm -hmm. Like what happens? So it started off as like just those kind of thoughts. And I was like, whatever. And then it turned into like, well, what if I do that? And I live like, who's going to be around? Like who's going to show that they care for me? Who's Mm -hmm. like, what would happen to my family if I wasn't around anymore? 
and I and I truly truly believed that they would be fine mm-hmm. I truly believed that like my family would be fine if I wasn't around and I was like they would move on and they have their own families now so it's fine I think those thoughts just started occurring more often and I never, I didn't really tell many people about it. My best friend sort of like knew something was happening, but wasn't really aware of the situation. I visited like with family members that summer at my grandparents' house and I told my mom like how unhappy I was and had like some serious conversations with my siblings and I just kind of like lost it and my mom was just like, I really think you need to go speak to somebody. You're showing very many signs of depression. and You know, like, you're a happy person. Mm-hmm. This isn't who you are. But I felt like it was who I had become. Before I went traveling, I didn't feel confident. That was one of the reasons why I went, because I didn't really know what to do with my life. And I was going through a breakup, and I was like, I just need to go do this. Mm-hmm. And I remember moving home and just thinking, like... I don't belong here anymore in this hometown because I have grown so much and everyone here is still the same. And so I felt very, I felt isolated because of that. I almost feel like I had taken steps back. So I was also very frustrated with that. I was like, what happened to this woman that had moved back and had all these ideas of businesses I wanted to start and places I wanted to live. Mm And now I'm thinking about moving to Denver, which is an eight hour drive away where my sister lives and I am having severe panic attacks about it. And I'm like, I can't do that. Mm -hmm. I can't do that. Like, how am I going to make it? So then basically I decided to move to Denver. I was Mm -hmm. just putting so much pressure on every single decision because I felt like it had to be the right decision Mm -hmm. and that if it ended up not being the right decision things would go south and was like okay I'm gonna move down to Denver I'm gonna live with my sister until I find a place I'm gonna get a job you know her friends had spoken to me kind of like offering positions Mm -hmm. at their businesses and for whatever reason I didn't necessarily feel super excited about anything so then I started doubting myself and my decision and the second that that happened all of a sudden you know it brings up all that anxiety again and like getting down on myself and not believing in my choices. And at this point, I was very alone because I had secluded myself from people. I would sleep all day. And I've always kind of been a procrastinator, and I've always kind of been a little bit lazy, but this was, like, to another extent. And it's definitely something that I still struggle with now. Mm -hmm. Forcing myself to get out of bed before, like, 10 o'clock and take myself on a walk because as soon as I do that, then I'm really productive all day and I get things done. And But if I don't, I could just lay there all day long and zone out and all of a sudden it's like eight o'clock at night two weeks before I was supposed to move Mm -hmm. um there was another man in our town that took his life Mm. and I was at work I remember I was at work and like popped up on my screen and immediately like my heart sank and I just like stood up from my desk and I went outside and I called my mom and I was like I'm hyperventilating right now I don't know what to do and I've been described Xanax since I was like in my late teens, I don't take it ever. It's more something that I just have Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel better that I have it in case I need it. I don't want to make it something that I take a lot of. She was like, take half a Xanax. Like, let's talk. Let's like breathe. I need you to breathe. And I'm, she's like, what's going on? And you know, I'm just like, I just feel like I, and at this point I had started therapy. So I'd been in therapy for two months and I had told them I want to try to get through what I'm going through, like without medication. Four or five days before this happened, 
I had agreed to taking medication, but I was still extremely hesitant about it. Mm -hmm. So I was already mentally like fighting against it. Mm -hmm. And they prescribed me Prozac. I'm pretty sure it had like absolutely reverse effects on me. So that day I lost it and I ended up taking like one and a half Xanax because I was just like nothing was working. I was at work shaking my heart. I could literally like, it literally felt like my heart was going to come out of my chest. I was just like in and out of crying at work. I'm trying to talk to people on the phone and then I'm like putting myself on mute because I'm just like sobbing. It's a very eerie feeling that I get why he did what he did. And it's almost, and it was weird. I started almost like putting myself into the situation, Mm -hmm. almost like imagining myself in the car, imagining Mm -hmm. myself with the gun, that kind of thing. And that's Mm -hmm. really scary to be like, why am I doing this? Like fantasizing it almost or like romanticizing Mm -hmm. it. Yeah, it's terrifying. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what was even worse because I was just like, what is happening? I've never been like this before. Mm -hmm. And when you put yourself in a position and you fantasize and you romanticize, it's like it almost feels like it's real and it's happening to you. Mm -hmm. So that kind of set me off. And I remember this was a Wednesday. Friday was my last day at work. Really hard for me to quit my job there because I had told them that I was like not moving away from Jackson. And I'd stayed there for a week or a year. And I like cried when I told my boss that I was going to leave because I just felt really guilty about it. Mm-hmm. And so I left. I felt amazing that day. I had like a good couple of days and I was like, great, this is going to be so amazing. Went to dinner with the boy that I was dating at the time. Went to bed. Everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Saturday I wake up and I'm like not feeling 100%. Didn't really eat anything until like almost noon. Mm-hmm. And... And then all of a sudden I couldn't eat anymore. All of a sudden, like those stomach aches that I used to have when I was in my teens were coming back. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden I was literally like, I'm about to have a panic attack and like my body's shaking and I'm throwing up and I just kind of went down this spiral Mm. and I called my mom and then she's like, okay, I really don't think you should be on this medication. We need to change your medication. Mm -hmm. So I get put on a different medication that day. She's giving me all these tools to try to help. So I'm like, all right. So the rest of the day, I just stay at my my man's house and we're watching movies and stuff. And then I'm just like, I don't want to be here anymore. Mm-hmm. But I get very weak feeling. I was like, okay, how am I going to get off this couch? And how am I going to get to my car? And how am I going to drive home? Mm-hmm. Eventually, I go home. I'm just sitting there. I'm like, I don't know what I need. I don't know what I want. I'm just shaking. Like, I can't, yeah. like, literally cannot mm-hmm. deal with what's going on right now. And then the next day, I kind of woke up and I was okay. But then around lunchtime, it started happening again. At that point, like, I was really underfed because I hadn't been eating. So then it's, like, hunger creeps in. And have you ever been, like, so hungry your stomach hurts? Yeah. Like, it was kind of like that. So even though I knew I needed to eat, I couldn't really eat. That night, I had to go to work, and I was bartending. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to get really busy. I'm just not going to think about it. Distracted. And I'm going to feel great. Which is usually what happens. I'm like, I'm just going to be distracted, and it'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Which was great until 9 o'clock at night, 10 o'clock at night, when we start closing down, and I'm freaking out, and I'm texting my mom, like, I'm literally freaking out right now. I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. She calls me. I go outside, and I'm just like, I can't breathe. I can't. Like, I want to get out of my body. Like, that's all that I want. I just want it to end. I want it to stop. I want it to end. Mm-hmm. And I just kept saying that. And she was like, Olivia. I was like, yes. She's like, are you going to do something? Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I think anybody had ever asked me something like that. And I had, I had asked my best friend before when I was like really low one day, like, have you ever thought of ending your life? And she'd been like, no, are you? Because if you are, you're like, we need to talk about this and you need to go see someone. Mm-hmm. But this was a really first time that someone had been like, have you thought about it? And truthfully, like I hadn't. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was like, I mean, no. And she was like, okay. And I was like, 
but I mean, I don't know. Part of me is like, I was just like, I just want it to end though. Like I'm freaking out. And she's like, are you, do you promise me that you're not going to do something? And I was like, yes, I promise. And she's like, Olivia, I need you to promise me that you're not going to do anything. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I was just like, I promise. So I go back to work. I'm cleaning up. All of a sudden, my dad and my stepmom show up. I'm mm-hmm. like, what are you doing here? And they're like, what is going on? And I just start like bawling and like shaking. And they don't really understand what's going on. And I don't really understand what's going on. And I'm just like, I don't know what to do anymore. I'm, I just like, I just want it all to stop. So I ended up staying at my dad's house that night because he lives down the road from me. Mm-hmm. And I guess my mom had called him. She had called him and been like, I'm really worried about Olivia. I'm worried she's going to do something. You need to go get her right now. And then I talked to my mom and she's like, do you need me to come there? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to say yes because I knew it was going to be expensive. And I felt bad about it. I was like, you're going to have to take off of work. It's going to be really expensive. And she's like, I don't care. I will come if you need me to come. Yeah. So she booked a flight and came out like two days later. Mm-hmm. At this point, I had moved back in with my dad. My dad and my stepmom and my mom were like, you need to be here. That was the first time that I pretty much every day was just trying to live through the day, trying to not think about ending my life because I wanted all of the feelings to stop. And it was scary. Mm -hmm. It was horrible. I just like, I never, ever, ever want to go through that again. My mom came, we did like a family therapy session my stepmom came with me to a therapy session the day after this all occurred mm-hmm. and they asked me you know like if you were to hurt yourself how would you do it and I was like well I don't want to feel pain like I would want to just kind of like drift off and like fall asleep so I wasn't allowed to like keep my medication my mm-hmm. dad kept my medication and like would bring it out for me every day all of a sudden now I'm thinking about like am I thinking about hurting like killing myself or hurting myself because these people ask, it's almost like they asked me about it. So then I started thinking about it. Yeah. And I brought on this like extra mindset that I just didn't need. Mm-hmm. So at that point, I'm, I don't have a job. Supposed to move to Denver. Didn't move to Denver. <laughs> Over the next three months. So from like October to January, I go through like three different medications mm-hmm. to try to figure out what's going to help me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to therapy twice a week. I moved in with my dad for a month. One of my things was that I felt like I had too much time to just sit. I live in a very seasonal town, so at this point, it was the off-season. So there was nothing happening. All my friends were traveling. There's just nothing going on. My big thing was I had to create a schedule Mm -hmm. for every single day. And I had a joint calendar on my iPhone that everybody in my family could see, so they always knew where I was. Mm -hmm. And there was... I think like the most alone time or downtime I had for the first few weeks was like half an hour. Mm -hmm. Because if I had any more time alone, I would just like spiral down. And I started trying new things. Like I was like, all right, I'm gonna get up at 8.30 in the morning. My stepmom would come in my room and be like, you're getting up right now. You have to get up right now. Yeah. Okay, I got that Headspace app. Mm -hmm. So I started like trying the meditation things. I've never done it before. Mm -hmm. I started trying to go to the gym every single day again, just making plans. And my closest friends knew about it. So they would be like, okay, what are we going to do today? Like my amazing, amazing friends, my friends Hillary and my friend Maggie were just like there for me 100%. I don't know what I would have done without them. But, you know, they would just show up at the house. They would call me. What are you doing today? What are you doing right now? Mm-hmm. You're not doing anything? Okay, let's let's go do something. Like, what do you want to do? Let's go for a hike. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time outside. So we go hiking. 
and a lot of the time we wouldn't even talk, you know, I'm, I'm hiking and I'm enjoying it, but at the same time I'm battling like whatever's going on in my head. So I did a lot of that. I, so I started bartending again more regularly just so I was making an income and I had something to do. Mm-hmm. Started doing that. I started working for a flower company that I've worked for in the past, mm-hmm. just like here and there. And over the holidays, they're super busy. I started dog sitting. I got yeah. on the Rover app. Like, oh yeah, I'm obsessed <laughs> with animals, like especially dogs. And I kind of figured that out because of all this. So like, you know, thought of being a vet or something like that, like kept popping in my mind. Then I actually started... I think one of the biggest things that's changed for me was that I felt like I didn't have a purpose. Mm -hmm. It's kind of how it all started. I felt lost. I didn't have a career path. I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, how am I ever going to get money? And I had this issue with abandonment. Like, what if I lose my family? I know that if I need money and I need help, my family will be there to help me. I have an amazing, amazing support system. Mm -hmm. However, I kept having this thought of like, well, everyone has their own lives, right? So... Yeah. What happens if I'm completely alone? Mm-hmm. Like, what happens if that support system completely disappears? I was like, I need to find meaning and purpose in my life again. Mm-hmm. And I've always been someone that loves to help people and make them feel better and make them smile. And when I was in high school, I actually, like, at graduation, I won the award for, like, philanthropy. My stepmom brought me to, we have this thing called Whole Food Rescue, which is, like, a food bank kind of in our town where we mm-hmm. collect food from all the grocery stores and we separate it for, like, composting and then we separate things that are still edible that like people can still have Mm -hmm. and then we box everything up and we like take them to organizations and people around town that don't have as much money or have a really big family and a low income that kind of thing so I started doing that three days a week Monday Wednesday Friday from 9 30 to 12 30 yeah and I started feeling like I was doing something again like I'm doing something for other people Mm -hmm. while all of this was happening I had started working a network marketing company Mm -hmm. back when I was working my day job back before all of this kind of happened because I was still searching for that thing that was going to help me find a way to to be passionate about life and Mm -hmm. I had taken a giant step back from that for about six months in the fall like I would say November times about a month after the implosion happened yeah I started kind of getting back into it again Mm -hmm. and I found that getting back into it was giving me our purpose again, besides all the other stuff that I was doing. And the company that I work for, Monate, has a huge, huge gratitude aspect of it, Mm. where um, they're very big about giving back. And whenever they go somewhere and hold an event, they always say they'll like never leave without giving back. So like we just had our convention three weeks ago in Ohio Mm -hmm. and we raised a bunch of money and they like found organizations around Ohio to donate to. They want to leave it better than when they first got there. Mm -hmm. So we have this like huge gratitude ambassador program. That's something very important to me at this point. It's starting to become like a thing again. Mm -hmm. And I just found that once I really put my trust into like my fellow business partners and really got to know them, I was like, this company isn't just about selling shampoo. Like this is these women and men are now my family. Yeah. And and it was one of those things that a mix of the community service that I was doing and spending time with animals, which I think like if anybody is going through anything, having an animal is just changes the ball game, honestly. Yeah. Doing that, spending more time with my friends, being open and having this like business on the side that was helping me gain confidence because we work on personal development. We listen to podcasts like Angie Lee. Like mm-hmm. I would have never listened to Angie Lee or found it if I hadn't done this. Like I wouldn't have met my life coach Maggie who's sitting in the corner. <laughs> um, had I had not started this 
business with money. It's truthfully, like, I would say all of those things combined. Unfortunately, there isn't like one answer that's gotten me through all of it. I mean, I'm still, it's something I still deal with. It's, oh, I think the hard thing for me was that in my head, it's been so long. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it's like, it's only been a year. Mm -hmm. So this all happened in October, 2018, January, 2019. I'm getting frustrated with myself because I'm still experiencing like feelings and sensations that I was experiencing three months ago. Mm -hmm. Just angry. Like, why am I still feeling this way? Like, why isn't it gone yet? Why am I still having these thoughts if I'm on medication? And it was one of those things that I had to sit back and I actually had to be okay with going with the flow and realizing that it's a slow process and it doesn't happen overnight. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's just hard for me. And I think in our generation as well, we just expect things to happen like right away. Mm-hmm. I, I want to be fixed. Yeah. Fix, fix me, me now. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah like, and I think that's why so many people just go straight into like antidepressants and stuff and they just think, oh, it's going to solve everything. But it's not just that. Like you have to change your mindset. You have to work on you. Mm-hmm. And throughout all those things that I was doing has opened a whole realm for me now. I'm the one that's like, I go straight to the aisle at the bookstore for all the personal development where what, like in the past, I was always for like ladies going through divorces, you know, that are crying and they're sitting there reading their book, you know, and it's embarrassing. And now it's like, no, everybody should read this book because it makes you a better human. I feel like I'm, I'm growing again, like within myself and my mind, I'm so much more appreciative of what I have in life. Like I, ha- I do like the five minute journal, which is I think the coolest thing for people yeah. that want a journal but don't really like know. Mm-hmm. I'm a horrible journaler. I'm always <laughs> trying. I can't do it. I do it for like a week and then it's like, okay, this I'm, I don't mm-hmm. understand. So for me, it's really nice because it's just like, you know, three things you're grateful for, three awesome things you want to happen today. And that's something I had to be open to. Yeah. That like I had to be open to the idea that like these weird non-scientific things could actually like journaling like journaling yeah like or breathing breathing exactly you know like I started going to Reiki and like some people think that's insane they're like what nothing is happening I'm like mm-hmm. I don't know but I started going and I freaking love it yeah and, like it's the most powerful thing that I've like physically felt without mm-hmm. somebody touching me mm-hmm. just like the idea of energies and a lot of people tell me that like yoga is really good mm-hmm. I haven't started doing yoga yet I know that I want to yeah because I've heard really great things about it. Yeah. But just being open and yeah. willing to try different things Absolutely. without closing yourself off and saying, oh, I would never do that. Well, why not? What you're doing, exactly. what you're doing isn't working. <laughs> so try exactly. something else. Well, I'm like, and I even tell people, I'm like, listen, like this helped me so much. And I'm like, yeah, but that just sounds like too good to be true. And yeah. they're talking to me about meditation, right? That sounds too good to be true. I'm like, what, you want me to tell you about ways it's going to make you feel worse? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not going to tell you about things that suck. Like, I'm going to try to tell you, like, this helped me. And I was the same way. And yeah, I kind of doubted it at first. But, like, the second that I was open to trying new things to, like, help me move past and just open my mind. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think what would probably be best from, like, now, from this point, like, if someone's listening and they're like, whoa. Like, if they connected with any specific part of your story or anything throughout, like, wow, I'm experiencing this and you just worded it like that. Or, wow. I'm not the only one feeling this specific thing. If that's you, person listening out there, just DM Olivia. Yes, 100%. Just get into her DMs. What's your handle? It's at live underscore rue. So it's L-I-V underscore R-O-U-X. Yeah, and we'll put it in the show notes. But I'm sure, because everybody's experience is different. Mm-hmm. My story is not like your story. It's not like her story. It, so just to have that conversation. Absolutely. If someone, maybe they're too afraid to even talk to anybody 
they can slide into your DMs and yes. have that talk. Mm-hmm. You know, and you don't have to say it out loud. You can just type. Yeah, typing is way less scary. Absolutely. We'll probably just wrap it up with two more questions. Okay. So what does it mean to you to be a woman made for greatness? What does it mean for me to be a woman made for greatness? Mm-hmm. I think it means that I am capable. We're all capable of so much. And we are all made for greatness. We are all put on this earth to fight battles and enjoy winnings and celebrations and just conquer life mm-hmm. and conquer whatever life throws at you. And for me, being a woman of greatness is pushing every single day to never get back to that place that I was at last year, mm-hmm. even though I'm scared of that happening again, even though, you know, you get down and out and you spiral and you're like, oh, I can't get through this. Like mm-hmm. you can, it's temporary. You've done it before. Yeah. So, yeah. and you weren't the same person. You exactly. aren't the same person that you Absolutely were. Absolutely not. Like you're a new person. Mm-hmm. So the second tying the pieces, is there anything we haven't touched on that you think is so important to share or anything that you're like, dang it, Serena, I wish we could have talked about that. Is there anything that you can think of? I don't think so. Yeah. I mentioned it many times, but the biggest thing for myself is just to talk about it. The other thing for me was feeling guilty for how I was feeling Mm -hmm. because I didn't want to say it out loud because I know how serious it is. Yeah. And revealing to my family members that I'm so sad as a human that I would be okay just like not being around. Imagining how my parents feel was one of the hardest, hardest things and most of the reason why I never really let them in on like everything. Mm -hmm. But if you are going through it, you just have to. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, like your family and your friends and your support system, whoever that may be, they don't want that feeling for you. Yeah. And it's not about them. It's about you. Mm-hmm. And you have no control over how they're going to react. Yeah. But they're going to do everything in their power to try to help you get through what you're going through, mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah, that's awesome. So it's hard to be honest with yourself and it's hard to be transparent and it's hard to admit it. It's almost like comparative to going to AA. The hardest step is admitting it. Yeah. And even to this day, it's hard for me to talk about to some people. I just say, I if people, if it gets brought up in conversations, I just say like, oh yeah, I went through like a really hard time last year. Mm-hmm. But I'm never, I, period. You know, done. Yeah, yeah. Where, you know, in reality, like I would love, I'm, I mean, my goal I'm going to be there is to be able to like talk about it Mm -hmm. and be okay talking about it. Yeah. And this was the first, one of the first steps. It was. This is the first time. This is my first podcast. Uh, And honestly, I'm like so thrilled that we did this. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for having me. Yay. Okay. Thanks for taking the time to listen and hang out with Olivia and I in this podcast episode. She's real. She's honest. She's not trying to pretend like she's someone else. She shares her experiences. And for that, I really admire her. I'll admit, it's really hard to talk about things when you're struggling. I know there's a lot of shame circulating. I know you can feel embarrassed. I know you might feel alone or like you're the only one going through this thing. But whatever it is, like whatever you're going through, just know you are not the first person in the entire world 
to walk through what you're walking through and you do not have to walk through it alone. So if you're struggling with anxiety or suicidal thoughts or if you just feel absolutely alone and completely hopeless, I would say find someone to talk to. Talking with someone else, even if they don't have the right words to say, just kind of talking through what you're going through is really powerful. I just want you to know that you are not alone. If you're struggling, there are friends and family in your world that want to support you. And if they knew what you were feeling or what you were going through right now, they would be there to support you every minute and every step of the way. Your friends do not want to see you in so much pain. Your friends want to be there for you. So please open up, talk about it. Don't be embarrassed. Don't feel the shame. We all struggle in our own unique ways. So if you really enjoyed this episode and it resonated with you, it sparked something in you, it clicked, I would appreciate it so much if you left a review on iTunes. I read every single review and they honestly mean the world to me. Like there are some days when I'm editing and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is taking so long. Like it's, it's a labor of love, but the reviews on iTunes give me the reassurance like, okay, this is affecting people. Okay, this is for a purpose. Okay, we gotta keep making this happen. So I read every single review and it takes less than two minutes to leave one. Until next time, friends, keep on pursuing your greatness and I hope you have a fantastic day.